You are now rocking with a jazz hammer. Yeah, yeah, Rio! Like that? Tell the people jazz hammer is back. Hello, and welcome back to The Rock Behind the Climb. I am your MC, the jazz hammer, Quintadzo, and this episode, we are headed to one of the most exemplary spots of the Bay Area environment, the top of Mount Tamalpais. Mount Tam, as it's commonly known, is one of the most prominent features surrounding the bay. It is a peak that rises a modest 2,572 feet above sea level and is located just north of San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge in the area known as Marin. It is a well-known place to go hiking or running and is considered to be the birthplace of mountain biking, actually. On top of all that, quite literally, there is some great climbing as well. On a clear day, you can get a great view of San Francisco, the North Bay, and parts of the East Bay. Mount Tam is a legendary destination. I have been mountain biking and running Mount Tam for as long as I can remember. However, for the first time, I just recently drove to the top, set up some top ropes, and actually climbed on Mount Tam. I guess I should have mentioned that unlike the peaks of the Sierra or wherever, Mount Tam is easily accessed at all times during the year. I actually went up there with my family, and just the drive itself is completely worth it. After driving across the Golden Gate and into the town of Mill Valley, you climb up this long, winding road along the Marin Headlands ridgeline taking you to the camelback trough in between both the west and east peak of Mount Tamalpais. While the west peak is inaccessible due to the radio tower that occupies the top, there's a nice little trail that leads to the barely higher east peak, which is where the top roping on Mount Tam is located, and where we spent all of our time there. I went with my parents and brother, and it just so happened to be the perfect day. Absolutely clear blue skies and gorgeous views in all directions of the Bay Area on one side, and the vast Pacific Ocean and distant Farallon Islands on the other. Amidst the thick brush blanketing the top of the mountain, there are several rock outcrops that protrude from the side of the mountain to create distinct, isolated sheer cliffs. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's tradition now for our family to get lost argue, and get turned around like three or four times when trying to find the right spot. It is a little confusing up there, but in short, there are three distinct outcrops of dark colored rock that jut out around the top of the mountain, each separated by about 400 feet of chaparral, meaning thick, shrubby plants that are not exactly easy to walk through, even with a path. While all three are good documented climbing locations, we chose to drop top ropes at the one known as the Northern Formation because it was the easiest to set up. None of the outcrops on Mount Tam have any permanent bolts or man-made anchors, so it is up to you to use temporary gear to build good anchors. The Northern Formation offers the easiest natural features at the top to wrap slings and webbing around to create the top roping anchors, so we settled on that area. No matter which side you decide to climb at, each one of these outcrops overlook the sloping mountainside 
covered with plants endemic to the Bay Area. Beyond that is one of the best views of the Golden Gate, the narrow passageway between the vast Pacific Ocean and the Bay with its many cities, towns, and natural spaces. Between the nature and landscape on the mountain and 360-degree picture of the entire Bay Area, Mount Tam gives you one of the most complete perspectives on the complex environment of the area. Also, it is a frequent resting place for the infamous fog that periodically blankets many parts of the bay. So, even on a day that isn't as clear as the one on which I recently visited, stopping by Mount Tamalpais is sure to give you a quintessential Bay Area experience. And to cap it all off, underneath all the views, Fog and ecology is a rock type that punctuates the quintessentialness of this amazing location. The rock is serpentinite, which is actually the official state rock of California, and the rock that you climb on at the top of Mount Tam. So I should say before I really start diving into the geology, when we were rigging up our top ropes, I chatted with another group setting up their own top rope, and I mistakenly told them that the dark rock we were about to climb seemed like basalt. The reality is that basalt, or cooled lava rock, found in this area forms very bulbous-like layers, making the surface of the rock look curved and pillow-like. However, the outcropping on Tam is quite jagged and has many other features that suggest that it is in fact serpentinite. However, Basalt tends to be a very dark-colored rock, while serpentinite is actually typically lime green. So, like you should never judge a book entirely by its cover, you shouldn't judge a rock entirely by its color, because there are just so many other important factors in identifying a rock type than it's a color. Point is, if you were one of the guys climbing Mount Tam that day, my bad. And to all other geology armchair experts, myself very much included, you know, maybe do a little research or actually examine the rock in question before acting like you know what you're talking about. However, it was actually a pretty honest mistake because the pillow basalt and serpentinite rocks in this area are closely related. Anyway, let's get into it. To recap, we have this large mountain poking up along the Marin Headlands ridgeline with a few serpentinite outcrops at the top and is just a few miles away from the seashore. So, what's going on? Well, I've talked about it a few times on previous episodes of this podcast, but it all stems from the subduction of the Farallon tectonic plate underneath the North American tectonic plate. For those of you who are just now tuning in for the first time or need a refresher, basically a really long time ago, there was this giant tectonic plate, meaning slice of the Earth's crust, in between the Pacific and North American tectonic plates that slid underneath the North American plate. Most of the rocks on the Farallon plate were these dense basalts that mostly ended up melting into the Earth's mantle as the plate subducted down. However, many of the less dense overlying rocks on the Farallon plate 
got thrust up onto North America. These rocks were shoved up into ranges and mountains, such as Mount Tam. In other words, Mount Tam was created by a bunch of rocks being sutured off the Farallon Plate and accreted onto the North American Plate. The particular complex of different rock types that makes up Mount Tam is called the Franciscan Assemblage, or Melange. This geologic unit is present up and down the coast of California and is really hard in general to characterize because the rocks have gotten so mixed up with further tectonic activity over the years. So when I talk about serpentinite rock and you start to scratch your head over how in the world it got to the top of a mountain, just know that many geologists are also scratching their heads over this as well. So serpentinite is actually considered a metamorphic rock, but it formed unlike most metamorphic rocks. A metamorphic rock is one where the chemistry of an existing rock's minerals is altered in some sort of way to create a new rock. Now, normally this happens through either excessive heat or pressure from the rock being very close to hot magma or getting buried deep within the earth. However, serpentinite forms differently. So, remember how during the subduction of the Farallon Plate, there were some dense basaltic rocks that plunged down below the North American Plate? and some other less dense rocks that smushed up onto the North American plate, creating the coastal mountains? Well, some of the heavy rocks deep in the Farallon plate that were supposed to plunge down below the plate somehow mixed in with the smushed up rocks. These deep crustal rocks that got mixed in are called ophiolites, and consist of very dense metallic minerals like pyroxene and olivine. When these minerals encountered seawater, they metamorphosed to create the serpentine minerals that make up serpentinite. Geologists call this hydrothermal metamorphism, or metamorphism caused by water interacting with the rock. As an aside, this is the reason that serpentinite is closely related to basalt, because it is just a type of basalt that got hydrothermally metamorphosed. Okay, if some of that was confusing or didn't make any sense, do not fear, because geologists do not fully understand this process. Basically though, to recap, rocks that formed deep under the crust of the Farallon Plate mixed with water which slightly changed the chemical structure of the very metallic minerals, creating a new serpentine group minerals that make up serpentinite. How exactly though did this serpentinite that originated on the bottom of the Farallon plate end up on the top of Mount Tam? All anyone can really say is tectonic action. Again, I know this is confusing, but I'm going to move on because seemingly no one fully understands the process of serpentinite formation and uplift. Okay, so I want to take a sec to talk about the minerals that make up serpentinite because they have a lot to do with how the rock actually feels 
and affect the features that relate to climbing. So to recap from before, all the minerals that make up serpentinite are altered versions of the heavy metal magnesium and iron-based minerals from deep under the seafloor. Because of their original composition, these minerals usually appear to be green in color, which makes serpentinite outcrops usually stand out as being a weird-looking green rock. As I said earlier, though, this particular outcrop looks very much more dark gray. But if you choose to venture down the mountain on one of the many hiking or biking trails, you may find a more green-looking serpentinite outcrop. After they're metamorphosed, or chemically altered, these heavy metal oceanic minerals structurally change to look like long, flat sheets and kind of just stack on top of one another through weak hydrogen bonds. This results in the rock having a smooth and waxy texture rather than being very rough. In terms of the climbing, this rock will not slice up your hands, but the holds might be kind of slippery. On the 510 rated Sun Slab Center on the Northern Formation, the crux is through a section with sloper holds and was a major struggle because these unindented holds did not provide enough friction to really get a good grip, even with a healthy dose of chalk. The way serpentine minerals are structurally formed in sheets also makes them very easy to slice through and cut up. On the rock that I climbed, I noticed a number of slick insides, or smooth sheared surfaces, which result from the rock sliding off. These sheared surfaces are interesting features to try to avoid when climbing up, since they kind of pop up here and there. I noticed a good example of a slick inside on the east face of the North Formation. On this note, unlike a lot of metamorphic rocks, this serpentinite is not foliated. This means that it does not inherently have embedded striations like many other metamorphic rocks do. So, on these slick insides, I actually noted some faded striations which are an indication of where the other piece slid. Another interesting tidbit about the minerals that make up serpentinite is that with such a heavy concentration of metals and low concentration of nitrates and phosphates, they do not lend well to plant growth. As serpentinite erodes, it creates soil around the outcrop that is actually very deadly to most plants. So the plants that are able to survive around it are very weird and particularly endemic to the area because they do not survive on typical plant nutrients. Also, one of the main minerals that makes up the serpentinite matrix is Christostyle, which is the whitish-looking mineral that fills in cracks in the serpentinite rock. Well, Christostyle, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, is actually the mineral basis for asbestos. You know, that stuff that they use to insulate your house, but is actually very bad for your lungs. Well, naturally, it grows in serpentinite. Luckily, I did not see really any of the Christos style mineral around the outcrops that we climbed. 
However, if it happens to be your personal tradition to lick the rock before you climb it, I would suggest refraining while at Mount Tam due to the potential for ingesting the heavy metals and asbestos embedded in the rock. Just as a quick aside, I remember on a job site once, I heard a story about a guy drilling in an area with serpentinite bedrock and taking home two beautiful green specimens for his front lawn. Well, as those serpentinite rocks started to decompose over time, it actually turned his yard into an environmental hazard that created a huge mess on his property. So, even though it is very cool and interesting, definitely don't take any serpentinite home with you. Anyway, in conclusion, Mount Tam was created by relatively low-density rocks getting scraped off of the subducting Farallon plate onto the North American plate and getting pressed up into mountains. Somewhere in that process, deep basaltic rocks interacted with ocean water to metamorphose into serpentinite, which is the rock you climb on at the top of Mount Tam. The way the structure of the molecules within the minerals are oriented gives the rock a smooth feel and lends well to having abundant slick insides. These minerals also are known to contain heavy metals and asbestos, so remember to wash your hands and leave the rock where it is. Now, if I'm being honest, I have no idea if the concepts I presented in this episode made a lot of sense. Serpentinite is a weird rock, and there really isn't a lot of scientific consensus behind some of its fundamental attributes, like its formation. However, if I get one thing across in this episode, I want it to be the beauty and grace to behold when visiting Mount Tamalpais, because I believe that a large part of the outdoor climbing experience is gaining a sense of intimate connection to the area where you're climbing. In the case of Tam, for me, from top to bottom, inside and out, it is an encompassing reflection of the Bay Area as a whole, offering a little of everything from the stark serpentinite outcrops to the native brush and trees blanketing the hillside to the overarching of the Golden Gate. To close out the episode, I want to share a quote from the book The Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac, which I've been reading at the recommendation of Luke Mihal. Actually, in this book, Kerouac reflects a lot on specifically camping out and climbing Mount Tam as a sort of spiritual pilgrimage. He writes, The closer you get to real matter, rock, air, fire, and wood, boy, the more spiritual the world is. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and I will catch you on the next one. Jazzhammer, out.